Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. There's a preacher studying evangelism in his office. And after a while, he thought, you know, I need to be doing this instead of studying it. So he left his study, left the building, went down to the street, walked down and met a man. He said, sir, are you a Christian? And the man looked at him and said, would you mind your own business? And he said, sir, that is my business. That's our business, isn't it? Our business is souls. Psalm 107.2 says, Let the redeemed of the earth say so. Say so. Matthew 11.28, Jesus issued the invitation that we get the privilege of extending in our generation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. The fields are white unto harvest, even in a secular culture. But not all churches are growing. In fact, a lot of churches are declining. Does that mean the gospel doesn't work anymore? Or does it mean that we are not working as we should? Or are we not working effectively, although working? This lesson is entitled... Fish in a bigger pond. Because we have to be past the days when we go looking for people who look like us, who come from the same background as we do, who are of the same nationality as we are. People who um, see eye to eye with us on politics, sports teams, business interests, family matters, Whatever the Bible speaks to, the Bible speaks to, and we all unite around the Lord's table, confessing the same name, adhering to the same doctrine. But not all that happens when we first meet someone where the gospel does it. We have to teach, be patient, bring along. Let's think about four areas. If you're taking notes, and I know some of you are. Let's think about four ways the church can fish in a bigger pond. Number one, ethnically. Ethnically. You know, when Noah and his family got off the boat, his three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth, repopulated the earth. We were down to eight, right? And maybe Noah too, but certainly those three sons. And each one of them fathered a different people group that lived in a different part of God's earth. You come to the book of Acts, and we find the gospel going to all three people groups. Shem, Acts chapter 2, is the father of the Jews, the Shemites, the middle, they settled in the middle, middle, middle East and Northern Africa. Ham, Africa. That's Acts chapter 8. 
Japheth. When the Holy Spirit forbade Paul to preach in the north and the south, he kept going. He came to this to to the sea and he crossed over and he landed on European soil for the first time and he met Lydia. And he met Philippian jailer. And the gospel went to the descendants of Japheth. God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't care what color the skin is. God doesn't care what language is spoken. God doesn't care from what part of the earth his child hails. In fact, in Revelation, there are two verses that are very similar. The first one is Revelation 5, 7. Thou hast redeemed by thy blood unto God people of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Four ways to divide humanity. And those in heaven come from a variety of, and a combination of those. People. That's uh, no kindred. That's genetically. Tongue. That's linguistically. What, what, what language do they learn the gospel in? English, Spanish, Chinese, Portuguese, Swahili, some dialect that's spoken only by a few people. People of different languages will be there. P, that's social groups. Social groups. You know, we identify with a certain social group. Maybe it has to do with our part of the country. It might have to do with our political allegiances. It might have to do with lifestyle choices. It might have to do with personality. People groups. Nationality that has to do with the political government or system we live under. There will be people who live under governments that deny that God exists who will be in heaven with God. Communist countries. The gospel has had great success in many communist countries because it's empty, but the gospel fills the void in the lives of people who want something more than what their government and their, and, and their culture can give them. Ethnically. I'm, I'm happy to see in churches of Christ diversity becoming more prominent, aren't you? We haven't arrived yet, though, have we? I'll give you maybe four examples, just quickly. Negative one first. It starts negative, it turns positive. I was preaching out in Texas, and the preacher said, I want to introduce you to uh, my neighbor. He lived in a big golf community. um, Anyway, she lived across the way. She had been to services before, and she came to that gospel meeting. She was not yet a Christian. I checked with him a couple of weeks ago, but we're still hopeful. But she did hear the gospel priest again that week. And uh, he said, I want to introduce you to her. So we went by. She was out, outside. And um, I, won't, I won't use her name. Let me just use uh, Smith. And Mrs. Smith welcomed us warmly. We invited her. She said, I'll try to come. She, said, she was having cancer treatments at the time. She said, I don't know if I'll feel like it, but I'll try. She did. Not that night, but the next. But this is, this is the story he told me on the way over there. He said he got a phone call from her. This hurts me to say that I live in this country still. I love my country, but this needs to change. 
she had gotten house to house in the mail. She said, I've been reading this and I really like it. I'm thinking about coming Sunday. This was her question. Do you let black people come to your church? My heart just sinks in hearing that. And of course, Tom said, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Can we come get you? Oh, they, she was so, she came, when she came back that night, she was so welcome. They all remembered her name. You know, she'd been a few times before. You know, the world needs to know that we love people of all races. doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? Acts 10.34. This is when the gospel went to Cornelius, Gentiles for the first time. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. For in every nation, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. Every nation. Every nation. Romans 2.11. James 2.1. Many other passages show the love of God is without exception. Here's another example. This is more positive. I preached a meeting in, uh, I don't guess I'll tell you where, but it was in an adjacent state. And I got there, and the preacher was telling me, they had maybe 100 members there. But it's about evenly divided, maybe a little bit more Hispanic than English speaking. He said, we were in a meeting, the men were discussing closing down the congregation, what, where we would go and what we would do with the building. And the uh, Hispanic brother called. And said, uh, could, could we talk about using your building in the afternoon? We've got a, a Spanish-speaking Church of Christ congregation. We have a place to meet. Well, they talked about it, and they called him back. They found, they checked on him, made sure it was a sound doctrine, and it was. And he said, no, we're not going to let you do that. But we will let you worship with us on Sundays. And you know, during Bible class, the, there's a Spanish teacher teaching in the fellowship hall I taught in the auditorium. And then everybody came in together. It was so beautiful. They were wearing earpieces. And there was a translator. There was a little sound room right back there. And he was translating verbally. And they were listening. We had two prayers at the Lord's Supper. That was a beautiful service. And the singing, two languages, so beautiful. That's the way it ought to be, if needed. Um, I could give you more illustrations. That's I'm going to move on. But that's happening all over the country. We have a wonderful brotherhood that's reaching out, and it needs to keep. We need to keep working at it because God wants us to be ethnically diverse. Now, let's think about another one. We've got to fish in a bigger pond economically. What would be the median income of this congregation? Don't anybody answer that. I don't really want to know. But that's the question people ask. You know, I read the other day, I live in, it's a Memphis address, but it's Collierville, Tennessee, really. And the median salary per household there is $119,000 a year. I thought, Whoa. 
What would it be in Huntsville? This is a pretty wealthy city as far as Alabama cities go. A lot of smart people, a lot of hardworking people. Does someone who doesn't earn one of those kind of paychecks feel comfortable here? What if they can't wear the label that most people are wearing? What if their car parked in the parking lot didn't cost $50,000? What if they wait for that government check to come in and those stamps before they go to the grocery store? Is it okay for them to come? 1 Corinthians 126 says, Not many mighty, not many noble are called. Where does the gospel have the most success? I, I could tell you, I've been on a lot of door knocking, not lately, but when I was younger, as all preachers have. We would go with, I would go with different schools sometimes just to go. And the schools I attended would take us. I could just about tell you what kind of success that day was going to produce by what street they dropped us off on. If it was dirt, and sort of the houses were sort of maybe junky a little bit, maybe not so big, people, some people sitting on the porch, it was going to be a good day door knocking. If it was on a street that was, all the houses were 2,500 square feet or up, and brick and manicured lawns. It's going to be a long day. First, nobody was home. Because everybody's working to pay for that thing. But even when they, they were polite, never, hardly ever rude if you talk to somebody. But not at all interested. Now, there are exceptions on both sides of that and all the way in between, but you get the point. We're going to have more success. Generally speaking, in the lower strata of the society than the upper strata. It's always been that way. Look with me over to Mark chapter 12. While you're turning there, I'm backing up for a minute and giving you a figure because I want to do this with each one. Um, so the first point was ethnically. So what Bible figure or metaphor fits fishing in a bigger pond ethnically? You can write down Matthew 4, 18 and 19, which says, I will make you fishers of men. And when you think of fishing, you may think of a line and a hook, right? That's, that's one kind of fishing. And the Bible talks about that sometimes. But this kind of fishing that's going on in Matthew 4 is net fishing. Net fishing is indiscriminatory. Net fishing just gathers whatever is in the area where the net lands. That's, that's the ethnic diversity of the gospel going out. Now, the figure for this one is, uh, we're going to look at Romans 12 in a minute, but it's the figure of reaching down, condescending. Let's see this in Jesus' ministry, and then we'll see the command for us. 1237. Uh, the second sentence, second half of this. 
And the common people heard him gladly. Who heard Jesus gladly? Regular folks. Regular folks. I made some notes under this. Jesus had a common job. Mark 6, 3, he was a carpenter. He preached to Samaritans who were despised people. John 4, 7. He preached to publicans, Luke 18, 9 to 13, who received him, but they were also rejected. He preached to women who in that culture were not normally talked to by men, religious leaders. And that's Luke 8, 2 and 3. He talked to children, Mark 10, 16. And Jesus expressed common emotions. He wept. Luke 19.41. No wonder the common people heard him gladly. He welcomed them. Now we want to be a welcoming church like that. And I'm sure you are. But it doesn't hurt to talk about it. Because it reminds us, you know, if the person who comes in and sits doesn't wear nice clothes, they're just as welcome as a guy with a $1,000 suit. Amen? Somebody comes in and they, they need money out of the plate. Well, you don't do it that way. But effectively, that's the, you know, they're going to get some of that money the rest of us are putting in. Are they welcome here? Are they, that's a negative balance, right? They're welcome. You know, if you need help, ask. And we'll help you out of our pocket or the elders will help you out of the treasury, but this is, church, this is a church of helps. Some of us have been in need of help before and may be in need of it again. But even if not, we love people. <clears throat> Go with me to Romans 12. This is the key passage on this. Romans 12 is sometimes called the little Bible. I heard one man refer to it as the high watermark of the New Testament. That's an interesting way to express it. It's a great chapter. And uh, it has a lot of those pithy sayings or those one-sentence commands. It's very memorable. But notice in 16, be of the same mind one to another. That means uh, we're on equal footing. Uh, you may have heard it said before that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It probably wasn't true of the literal cross. It was on Golgotha's heels. So it was probably a slant to the land. But... Metaphorically speaking, the land the uh, land is under the cross's level. All of us come. Now, also, I thought about uh, Revelation twenty one thirteen. I'm coming back to Romans twelve, but uh, Revelation twenty one thirteen. The description of the city of heaven is it has four uh, walls, and in each wall there are three gates. Well, the ark only had one door. Why does the heaven have twelve? I'm not an expert in symbols, but it seems to me that that may represent the fact that there's equal access from all parts of the earth to go to heaven and all levels of society. Romans 12, we continue. Mind not high things. Now here's our verb. But condescend. We use that more negatively than positively. Don't speak condescendingly to me. What does that mean? Don't talk down to me. 
What does it mean here? Get down off your high horse. That's what it means. Get down. You know when you talk to a child, you know what you do? You get down on their level, right? Well, we try to do that with everybody. Not physically. All things to all men that we might by all means win some, right? So we try to get on their level. Make them comfortable. You might have plenty of money. You might be wearing a nice suit, driving a nice car. You might go on vacations places other people can't afford. God's blessed you. But make a person that's not in that situation feel good about being here. About enjoying the fellowship of God's people and being in the presence of our God. Let's move on. Number three. Fish fish in a bigger pond culturally. Our culture is diverse. Let's ask it this way. What segment of the community around us is not represented among us? You know, it's not wrong for a congregation to be monochromatic necessarily. But does it reflect the community? As the gospel goes out, does it go to the different culture groups? See, the gospel is equally powerful, and if it's going out, it might not be as successful in this group as in that group, but it will have success in all groups. Isaiah 55, 1 to 10, his word doesn't return unto him void. Um, Let me make the application here. Um, I'll come back to that representation, but let me talk about three groups, cultural groups that are often outcast. Jesus dealt with them too. Number one, prisoners. did something bad. They don't want them in here. They might do it again, right? Wait, 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 wait. Jesus said on the judgment day, I was hungry and you fed me. Thirsty and you gave me drink. Stranger and you took me in. I was sick and in prison. And he visited me. Lord, when saw we thee in all those things? As much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did unto me. Enter in. The ones who heard the depart from reverse it. And they didn't. Now there are a lot of other verses that talk about what is required to go to heaven. But if you isolate that one chapter, which that's part of the Olivet Discourse, it's preached on the Tuesday before Jesus died on Friday. One of his last sermons, or the last sermon that we have a record of. In prison. 
You know what I've observed, and you've probably observed this too, I know you have prison ministry here. That's one of our most productive works in many congregations. There's a couple reasons for that. One, it's humbling to be isolated and incarcerated. And blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall. There's the kingdom of heaven. Two, they got time. You knock on somebody's door, whew, I'm balancing three jobs and the kids got practice tonight and we've got stuff on Sunday. We just, boy, we're busy. I don't have anything to do. Three, they want something better. People who are satisfied aren't interested in the gospel. That's the reason conviction must precede conversion. That's why, that's why we preach on sin. If you, don't, if you don't believe you have sins, if you don't feel sorry about doing sins, you'll never reach out to a Savior. Well, that process has been helped because of their circumstances. And lo, but by the grace of God, could the circumstances be different with us? Why are most people in prison drugs? Alcohol? In some cases, poverty? Bad decisions? Evil hearts? Yeah, there's a lot more to it. But if I were there, would I, would I want to be helped, taught? Would I want to go to heaven? It's one group. Second group, drugs, drug users. I think about Mark 5.15 with the man who was possessed with demons. This is a, this is a, there's a parallel here, although it's not the, obviously the same situation. But uh, Jesus, after Jesus healed him, he, he was sitting with Jesus clothed and in his right mind which implied that before that he wasn't in his right mind and he was naked and he was fearsome. People didn't want to go that way because they tried to put him in fetters and lock him up and he plucked them off and they were all scared of him and, and now he's calmly sitting talking to Jesus. Well, that, there's a lot of parallels with drug use there. I don't know about here. I haven't asked anybody. I'm not really interested. But I know in the congregation where I worked, which is a Bible buckle a bobble belt buckle just like here, right? Families had, we had, we had one in their youth group go to prison selling drugs. We had one that worked for house to house for a while who had just gotten out of prison. And then he ended up going back. I could tell you a situation where a church member was beaten within one blow of death, the doctor said, with a baseball bat. With his own son, by his own son, through his own drugs. Families don't talk about it, but it's there. Are those 
lives beyond salvaging? No, no. Jesus specializes in hard cases. Does that mean all can be reached? No, but all the good, quote, good people aren't reached either, are we? Let me tell you about, I have a friend that preaches in another state. I'm going to go ahead and introduce the third one. And um, You have odd times in this church, so I have no idea what time I'm supposed to quit. So. Oh, I'll get a bell. Okay, good. All right, I'll get two. That's right, he told me that. Because he told me I have a bell to start, and I didn't get that one. But I'll get the other two, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to combine these two because they do fit. Uh, third, third group are the the homeless. Uh, drugs often leads to homelessness, of course. But let's talk about homeless. I'm going to put all these together. This church, uh, I was preaching on evangelism, some of this kind of thing, uh, a few months ago, and I, I texted him. He and I text most every day, and I knew that they'd had a lot of success with uh, drug use and uh, drug bringing people out of drug use and homeless. And I said, on Sunday, how many, uh, how many former drug users or homeless people were in your attendance? He said, give me a minute. He texted back. I went back and looked at it because I made sure the numbers this morning. So we had 206 Sunday. And my guess is between 15 and 20 were former drug users or homeless. So about 10%. Is that right? 5%. What is that? Whatever it is, it's a lot. Preacher math, you know. The one time you can never remember math is when you stand in front of an audience. I learned that. Why did I step right in that trap again? I always do that. 20 people. And this was the story he told me. Not right then, but another time. He said, one of our elders just got back from, I'll just say this, like Texas. He said, we've worked out a deal with this church because they have a drug rehab program in their congregation. Nine months. But they've got a problem that when people graduate, the church there is uncomfortable with them. And some of them are falling back away because that's a problem that needs to be addressed. But set that aside for a minute. And the elder that went out there from this church in a different state said, that's no problem for us. We're used to it. Our problem is that we convert someone out of, out of the drug community and they get back with their friends and they, they fall away. We need to get them out of here. So they worked out a deal. We send you our drug user, former drug users that need your, your uh, program and you send us your graduates. And that's what they do. You know, there is a level faith it takes to really forgive and to allow a second chance. But what about that prodigal son that came home? Luke 15, you remember? Came to himself. I'm going to go be a servant at my father's house. I heard it, yeah. And his father was standing in the door when he came back. Where do you think you're going? Where's that money I gave you? (laughs) What are you wearing? When's the last time you had a bath? 
You say, that's some version I never read, preacher. No? God saw um, The father saw him. Did something that fathers in a Jewish society would normally never do. He ran and met him, threw his arms around him, kissed him. The boy was about to give his practice speech. I've seen in that side and heaven's side and no more worthy be God. He didn't get to finish it. The father started barking out commands. Get me a robe, shoes, ring, fatted calf. My son's dead, was dead. He's alive. He's lost. He's found. We know that story. But who's the boy? Who's the boy? And you could raise your hand too. All right, number four. Fish in a bigger pond demographically. I want to go back to that idea about our our, uh, community. But I want to apply it in this way. What about the age demographics? This congregation, just the eye test looks like you've got great diversity of age. Not all churches do. Sometimes that is because the community around them, remember we were talking about that? Because the young people grow up in the schools, they go to get jobs and where are the jobs? Not where they are. But the gospel, I'll just say it this way because I'm going to hear a bell on him. About two minutes probably, but I'll say this. The church needs to emphasize reaching all ages. So we do that sometimes with young people, but sometimes we don't. So let's talk about that. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew. Well, 19, 13, and 14, and 18, 1 to 3. Four out of five people who will ever come to Christ come to Christ before age 25. You better start before 25 if you're going to win most young people's hearts to the Lord. I can tell you that the devil is busy trying to win their hearts. And the pornographer and the drug dealer and the secular humanist. and We've got something more powerful, but not if we don't use it. And then what about the other end of the spectrum? All the way through, but I remember preaching one time in a gospel meeting. This has only happened to me two times in all those sermons. Somebody came forward before the invitation. The second time was last Sunday, which is interesting. But he came forward. I was preaching uh, not maybe halfway through. This guy comes down the aisle and says, now, you know what we did? We stopped the sermon and asked him what his desire was. He wanted to be baptized. So we did. And then we finished the sermon. The reason I remember it, he was 80 years old. Gray hair. Good mind. He said, I didn't want to wait. I was scrolling through my phone the other other night. And I came to, have you ever heard anybody name this before? Maybe it's your name. But I never met anybody except for her. 
Bettina Bodine. You ever heard either one of those names before? Bettina. Anyway, let me tell you her story real quick. She got house to house in the mail. It's in Jacksonville. She wanted tracks. Rob Whitaker went over and his family stood on a porch, talked to her about 30 minutes. Invited her to services. We had an older member. Didn't, couldn't do much in the church, but said, I'll go get her every service. And he did. We sent her cards, and she had them taped all over her. She was baptized. Within six months, she was dead. I used to text her just to encourage her. And I was, saw her name, I thought, ah. Oh. But it sure was a happy feeling to know. She died a Christian. She was probably in her 70s when she became a child of God. Thank you for listening. We'll be dismissed. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer... Send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.